All right, so let's go ahead and look at a couple of things here. First of all, there was a study with the Great Commission Research Network, and they said that there are three top concerns that pastors have in the United States. And if you'll notice, three of these deal with evangelism. So mobilizing for evangelism, concern for evangelism, and community outreach. So as you look at that, all over our country, pastors in particular, this was just pastors, are saying, I don't know what to do, or we as a church are struggling to reach our community. This is something that everybody is really struggling with. So the first resource I want to talk to you about is called Know Your Community. And how many of you have done Know Your Community? All right, good deal. So this will be a little bit review for some of you. All of you, I want you just to think about how you can, how you need to know this information. And if you haven't done Know Your Community, we can do that for you. It does cost us $100. If your church does not have that, we would take care of that for you, okay? So first of all, just look at how our communities are changing. If you look at the green, it's showing you how in one year, those populations went up. If you look at the blue, it's showing you how those populations went down. So our, our country is shifting quickly, and it's shifting in a quickly 12, 24-month process. A lot of this was dictated by COVID, and it's not slowing down. So there are people moving into communities, there are people moving out, and it really shows how it's important to know who is in your community to be more effective to reaching them. So the, one of the mottos we have with Know Your Community is you have to know your neighbor to love your neighbor. You have to know what they like and you have to know what they are like. So it's really, we say demographics and psychographics. We're looking at all that particular information. And when you do a Know Your Community, we ask to, you to look at a 5, 10, 15, or 20 minute drive of your church. And we mean the exact spot where your church is. So some of our churches will do a 5 and 15, some will do a 10 and 20, and we will see significant differences from time to time. But then we push the church to put the map up and to show this is what's in that 20 minute drive. So it's not a radius, it's the actual drive from your church. And then to get in your mind as a church, this is our community. 22,934 people. So as they're going about, they're thinking, you know, there are 23,000 people here that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And most people really don't know how many folks they have within their community. So we want them, first of all, to get that in. And what we ask you to do, if you do a PowerPoint in your church, intro slideshow, that's flashing up every week. If you don't, just do like a placard. Show them the map and show them what you have within this 5, 10, 15, or 20 minute drive. Then think about the trend. So with Know Your Community, you can see if your trend is up or your trend is down. Now remember that the majority of the communities or counties in the United States are going down. If you looked at my little article on this in one magazine, the churches who've done Know Your Community, the majority of them, it's going up. So it, it's, you can't control whether your population is going up or down, but you do want to know that because it's a different approach. If we've got an influx of people coming, we have different types of approaches as opposed to people more moving out. So this helps us 
to plan for the kinds of interventions, outreach activities that we'll be doing. We ask this question, what are the needs of our neighbors? So what kinds of things do they, do they struggle with? And so the first thing you'll notice is we focus on marriage. So how does your community compare to marriage in other situations? And so this particular community, 53% of them were married. The average is 49% in the United States. But what we're finding now, I would say 10% of the churches we have looked at, the never marrieds outnumber the marrieds. Uh, the divorce rate on average is 12%. If you've got a 16% divorce rate, then you know you need to focus on divorce. You need to focus on families. If you've got a lower divorce rate, you tend to have a higher educated community, which you'll also see in the report, but they have a different kind of approach. And uh, we, we actually coach you on what to do with that and how to help them. You also want to look at who's in your community. So sometimes we'll work with a church and they'll say, we have more older people than young people. It's because you may have more older people than young people in the community. So I expect your church to reflect the demographics of the community. This particular church, they've got a lot of 20 to 24 year olds. You have any idea why that might be? college so you'll see it with the college you'll also see that impact gender so i mentioned nc state last night that will they will be counted in a know your community report from this spot right here and the males will go up so engineering schools stem disciplines up there college uh, liberal arts will be higher female so i just i want to know this if I've got this, I can't ignore that as a pastor. I want to go after those folks, and I'm trying to reach them. If I've got a high number of older people, I want to take the older people, and I want to involve them with the younger people. So again, we show you this. This is what's the average in the U.S., and we show you if you're overperforming or underperforming. You can't do anything about it, but it does dictate the outreach activities that you engage in then you can't ignore this. What is the largest age group? So you're looking at your particular, you break these demographic groups down, and so you've got, this one is female 60 to 64. By the way, more of our church communities had this group than any other. But if we ran it on Know Your Community right here, we would see males 20 to 24, you know, because of NC State. So you're looking, you're saying, why do we have a higher number of that? We ask, is there a reason for it? Uh, is it because of a college? Is it because we've had tech school close by or something like that? Then we ask, what do these people need? What do females 60 to 64 need? What are some of their struggles? Approaching retirement, widowhood, unexpectedly, these kinds of things. So I'm studying females 60 to 64 because I've got more of them than anything else, and I want to reach them. And I'm teaching them, you're, I actually in our church, I'm looking and saying, who's the female 60 to 64? How did we get them? How did they stay with us? And who else might they be able to go and reach? You know, we kind of want to think that way. What's important to them? So with all of the interventions we use, we try to push people to do things that the people in their community are doing. And so this community is a healthy eating community. So we have to be careful. If we have food before service, you better lay some fruit out, you know. Uh, fried chicken's great where you're at, but it wouldn't hurt to have some grilled chicken 
if they like to eat healthy. So those, that's just something that they're, they kind of look for, that they're kind of thinking about. Notice over here the exercising. We can usually pick this up in other areas as well, but we look at what they do. Do they walk? Do they run? Do they kayak? And often we learn to kayak, if people in our community do, so we can reach them and interact with them. So we're paying attention to this. This is what they, this is demographics, but it's what they like to do as well, helping us figure out where they're at and how to reach them. So we know what they like to do, kind of a way to go at them that way. We also want to know though, what needs do they have? And needs are all over the place. They're different for every community. So first of all, look at the financial profile and i usually say ignore this because inflation has changed everything and usually a know your community report will be no more than 24 months old but the usually the data is anywhere from three to 24 months okay so there is shifting because of of uh, inflation but I, I want to focus on this right and so this is telling me how I compare to the United States. So in this particular community, there are more people between 25 and 150,000. So I know, like if I have lower numbers here, something like backpack for buddies or some sort of food intervention or some sort of farmer's market is going to be something there for me. If I have an overperformance of these folks, they tend to want to give back. And so I'm trying to highlight what we're doing for our community and ways they can be involved and they can give back to that. This is just a pure old middle kind of income. Um, but I, I look at all of that and I'm making determinations about the kinds of interventions we do. So for example, if I have overperformance from here up, Backpack for Buddies is desperately needed in that community. But I may not have that many people in my community. I may have overperformance of this, but these people want to give to a school, so I've got to find a way for them to give and then us to find somebody that's got a need, if that makes sense. Um, sometimes when you're doing things to help your community, it's actually a out, it's an outreach thing to the people that are giving. I can talk more about that later. I really want to look at this, okay? Are they giving anything to any kind of religious organization? And then I'm looking at this, are they attending church? The reddest places in the United States are not attending churches, okay? So if you look at this, the highest number is 36, rarely attend church. They're making no bones about it. I do not go to church. And when we say church, we mean Jehovah's Witness, we mean Islam, we mean Catholics, any kind of religious activity. So we're finding a high number of people that are, you might say, politically conservative, but those communities are not going to church, okay? So you've got that here. If I'm working with you on your Know Your Community, I just say 56% of your people are not going to church. So you're teaching your people when you interact with somebody, this person's going, this person's not going, this person's going, this person's not going. And, and don't, don't argue with people, but just know half the people you interact with are never really going to church. Uh, I need to, there is another slide, I wish I had put it in, that shows the conservative nature. I'm shocked at how conservative the United States is. And so part of the intervention as you're talking with people is you, you let them know, hey, you're conservative, but your voting's not going to do it. 
If you don't get your, if you don't get saved and get your kids in church, they will think liberally in the future. And you can look at a community and see how many liberals there are. Not saying liberals are bad per se, but what you will see is those people tend to be in influential places, right? So if you do not get your kid in church and you're not discipling them at home, that's what they'll be in the next decade. So this is for planning. So in this particular community, the population is going up, but it's not this, it's, and it's going up faster than the state, but not the United States. And you can look at that on all the metrics. We do this to think about planning. So if I do a child evangelism fellowship program, am I going to have enough older people to continue to work on that in five years? If I do an intervention like Awana to reach, you know, our kids in the neighborhood, am I going to have that a similar number of kids in the future? Am I designing and putting my efforts into activities that will be useful to us five years from now? It's kind of the way I'm thinking about it. Now then, what are they like? Well, this is something we see a lot. So this community is plus 25. This is a super, this is a white community here. This community does not have, his, have as many Hispanics we, but we see this all over the place, right? We'll see the opposite with Hispanics in other places like California and, uh, and actually certain parts of California, right? Um, but I just look at this and honestly, a lot of times I'm looking at this to help when the college students come home and they say, why does our church look the way our church looks? And you're like, because our community looks this way. But we, we want to look at that and think about that a bit. We look, if I've got 3,000 Hispanics, I'm thinking about Spanish-speaking service, right? And I'm looking and thinking, what, is, uh, what am I expecting in the next few years? I expect to see more of that. U.S. Census is pretty good at that, uh, at figuring that out. So I'm looking and thinking as far as interventions. If we start a Spanish church or we... We start working in that way, it's likely to be helpful in the next five years as well. This is my political thing. I mentioned it's just my slides out of order. I put these together. These people just don't say what they are, but they'll break halfway. 19% liberal, look at how, how red that is. And this community is most, they're not going to church. So this is where we have to stress to people being politically conservative is useless if you're not saved and getting your people into church. Psychographic groups. So this to me is the power of the Know Your Community Report and what's different about it. So you can do this. If you use the QR code, it'll take you to the Esri locator. And basically you can type in your zip code and it will give you the top three Esri profile psychographic groups for that community. So number one, if you've never done Know Your Community, I encourage you to do that. It's not the same because remember, Know Your Community is basically like GIS and it's that spot, you know, on the map. And so it's not the same, but it does help you. The other thing I would encourage you to do, and this is something I did a lot, is look at the zip code of people coming to visit you. So someone moves from California to North Carolina. I'll use our brother from Taft here. So somebody moves here from there. I, I say he's from California, but he's from Taft. 
okay? And, and TAF, for example, their number one psychographic group is the same number one psychographic group that we have in, um, well, Jeremy Estep's church in Kentucky. So I can't make assumptions that this person's from this church or, or from this community or this one from that. I need to know what, what that's like. Most churches have more in common with churches in other parts of the country than their own state, you know, because it, it just the way all this works. So anyway, I do the Esri locator, and then I'm looking, this particular profile is in a college town, and so you see the emphasis upon, upon that. And you look at the green, the green is what's in the community, the blue is what's in the United States. So you go to Barnes & Noble this afternoon, there's a book on how to reach America. It's of no use to you. What you need to do is think, how do I reach college towns, this psychographic group? How do I reach dorm to diplomas? How do I reach in style? And all of these different psychographic groups are, are, are pretty complicated, right? So with Esri, this is in style. We have more than 65 churches that have in style as one of their top psychographics. They give you a little description of them. They tell you what their neighborhoods are like. They tell you about the socioeconomic traits and we actually help you with that. And then they tell you what kinds of things they like to do, right? And so you've got some ideas about what I might be able to do to reach them. They're generous with support to various charities and causes. So I'll give you an example of this. So you know, I've pastored not too far from here for almost 20 years. And so I learned that by doing things like Backpack for Buddies, it's great to help the kids in the, in the school, but actually intervention is more for the administrators and the teachers. But I'm also wanting my church to take pictures of that and to post that, not to brag about it, but because their Facebook friends are looking and saying, oh, they did Backpack for Buddies. This is a big deal to them. And in their mind, they're thinking, that's the kind of church I want to go to. And their sister dies today. They decide, you know, I'm going to go to Tippett's Chapel Sunday because they think of you or identify you as, your, as their church a little bit. So that's kind of the way this works. It's, it's things are kind of associated and we try to go at them and reach them. You'll hear me say often, psychographics are more important than demographics. And this is what I mean. You have, notice here, Hispanics, multiple groups, Pacific uh, or Asian and uh, Pacific Islanders, American Indians, blacks and whites within this group called Bright Young Professionals. I don't say to myself, oh, I want to reach people that are black or I want to reach people that are Hispanics. I say, what do I need to do to reach bright young professionals? And regardless of what they look like, the same interventions will reach each of those groups. They are identified more by the activities they engage in and what they like to do. This is, we're also looking at what, is, what are some particular needs they might have. So this again is bright young professionals who tend to do well financially. But notice it says they own retirement savings and student loans. So they have retirement, uh, but they also are still trying to pay back debt. So something like the Dave Ramsey plan or something like Financial Peace University, I advertise that. I say, hey, we've got something for your kids on Wednesday night and we're going through this, a Bible study on this and how to manage your money is good outreach activity for them. Um, you see this throughout. 
and just lots of examples here of that. When we look at the church, we ask the church, we kind of teach them a bit about these groups that they have. And we're asking them, who do they know like that? Hopefully, there are people like that within the church. Who do you know that's like this? And how did you reach them? And then, who do you know that's like this? And what might you do to reach them with the gospel? Um, and so, the way it works with us, basically, you use that QR code. You sign up at Know Your Community. You let us know, do you want to do a 5, 10, 15, or 20-minute drive? And then, you do a, we, we will meet with you usually via Zoom, unless I'm in your area. Then we are willing to do a follow-up meeting with your church, if you would like. Um, and we encourage you to participate in these psychographic Zoom discussions we have, where people are trying to figure out how to reach like savvy suburbanites and so forth. And you get an Excel file. So we've got Excel files on life modes, on segment groups, and everybody that's participated in real time that's, that's updated. And so you can look at who else, who on other churches have the same type of profile that you have. So if you're interested in that, it does cost us. It costs us $100. If you can't afford that, we'll take care of that for you. Okay? Uh, so remember that. In our churches, 69% of our churches who have done Know Your Community can identify actions they have taken as a result of report. Now the key is the feedback session. Honestly, you, the report's great, but trying to interpret it and use it is, is, can be difficult. So you, you do the feedback session, it drastically increases what people do with it. And Tom Rayner, you know, Church Answers, is, he's the CEO of that, and he talks about a lot how we've, we've used this, and it, he's usually kind of surprised about that, uh, how that's kind of come down. Look at this particular article. I think it, it tells us a lot about us as a group, where our churches are located. We talk a lot about the different, um, the different psychographics, and if you'll notice, there's a profile of two communities. If you're a pastor search committee, you better, you're, you're hurting yourself if you don't look at this kind of information, looking at where a person's a guy's coming from, look at your community, because uh, some of the moving from some communities is as difficult culturally as like going into another country, really, trying to adopt culturally. Now, one of the things you've been receiving is this bookmark or a bookmark like it called As I Go. So we are asking our people to think in their mind about people in their different psychographic groups and what I might do to reach them. This guy likes hunting and to offer that for hunting, I can give back to them by uh, doing something like that. Now, that was Know Your Community. That does cost us $100. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about another intervention called uh, Lord I'm Caught in the Bubble. So, Chuck Lawless, he teaches close to here. I would have had him come, but he's, in, he's out of the country right now. He's written a book called, um, called Lord, I'm Caught in the Bubble, and you would need to go to this QR code to download this. Uh, if, uh, or I would email, I can email you the book as well. So first off, I don't think I put all this in here, but first off, uh, what you will find at our site, we've got a PowerPoint of this book, we, uh, we will give you the e-copy of this book if you would like, and we've got a handout of this book. So basically, this book can be done as a Bible study, six chapters. We've practiced it. 
Well, anyway, you can do it in a month, doing two chapters a time. And basically, he's, he tries to ask, how many unsaved people do you know? What are some things you might do to reach them? And, and it's really good information. So I encourage you to use this as a Bible study. You know, just do it as a regular Bible study. You can share the ebook with your people. You can print it and give it to them. You can do anything you want with it. But if you're a pastor and you're leading a Bible study, the PowerPoint that we give you, if you use the QR code, and the handout takes care of all of that. Basically, you're just walking people through the material of the book, you're asking questions, and you're helping them to identify, well, who do I know that's a non-believer? Uh, what are some things I could do to reach people in my community? And I encourage you to use that. We backed into that intervention because we had churches that did something called the Hope Initiative. So our churches, uh, we had churches that were part of the development of that. And so we had these beta group churches that are doing the Hope Initiative. And, that, and churches started hearing about it and then asking to participate. So what we did was we, we couldn't do it at a certain point because the development of, uh, of the Hope Initiative. So we backed up and we did Hope Initiative type things and we started them with this Bible study. We found great success with that. Now, the next thing I want to talk to you is, is the Hope Initiative. This is awesome. I think this is going to be a game changer for, for the church in the United States. You can go to this QR code here and it'll take you to... Um, it, it'll take you to, to uh, actually how to sign up for the Hope Initiative if you want. So first thing to get in your mind is only 4% of churches in the United States do any kind of outreach activity. We're talking about all evangelical churches in the United States. Only 1% or less than 1% have any kind of year-round outreach activity. So this is stuff that Rainer and Church Answers were kind of picking up. So the other thing Rainer started seeing is people hire them to do consulting like we have our rekindle coaches and people, the churches weren't doing it. They don't say anything, but really less than a handful of churches were really putting those into action. So Rainer started saying we need to change a culture in a church to help them become more outreach oriented. And we need to make that as easy as we possibly can for them. And so prayer's got to be foundation. Scripture's got to be foundation. The pastor has to lead it. That's a, that's a key. And the process cannot be burdensome. So he started working on something. It started as 10 minutes a day. It's now 20, but it's 20. It's only 20 minutes a day. So a, a person going through a 30-day process 20 minutes a day is really what the Hope Initiative is. And so uh, you've got a few committed folks. So Rainer's like, we, we, we tested this three to five people doing it in a church all through the year. So we take three to five one month. We take three to five the next month and three to five the next month and so forth. And, we, and just keep doing that. And the idea is, and we found this from the beta groups, the idea is that the culture of the church changes and the year process makes it work where it's more of a lasting thing. It begins with a 30-day commitment. The pastor leads it and each member is provided a 30-day guide. So I'm going to take this and pass it around. This is, the, um, this is the guide. This book costs $10 each. I'll talk about that in a little bit, how we could help with it. But that's what they read. They read that, that day one, 
And they do what it says day one, and then we go day two, and we just take, take them through that 30-day process. So they're going to pray 12 times in 30 days. He's directing them how to do that in the book. They're going to read and study six passages of Scripture in these 30 days. It directs them how to do that in 30 days, and they'll make 65 evangelistic touch points, uh, primarily praying in front of homes, uh, in the community during this 30-day process, all right? Now, some of you participated in the beta group of the Hope Initiative or what we did afterwards, and that's the same book, that little white book that we gave you that said, um, uh, what did it say? Anyway, uh, I think it said, um, well, it said the Hope Initiative, actually. That's the book, but this book has no errors in it, okay? So this is a clean book. I mean, I know it's got errors in it, but anyway, it's cleaned up. It's much better, and uh, although some people have said they like the other version better, but anyway, that's what we got. So what you do as a pastor, you're sending text. On day one, you're three to five people. You send them a text like this, which is provided through the Hope Initiative. Day two, like this. And so the pastor's just going through and kind of encouraging them. And they all, these three to five people become a team. They're, they don't really get together for a Bible study, but they're touching base. What home, where did you pray at today? Who did you send a letter to today? And, and the power of this doing things together and the pastors kind of bringing them on helps them a little bit. We do a lot with notes, all right? So we send notes to uh, a new neighbor. We send notes to guests at the church. We send notes to teachers, community leaders, local merchants. Uh, non-believing friend, an employer, first responders, medical professionals, a lot of notes. And so these notes pay off. If you've seen the Better Together podcast with Noah Taylor, that first fellow got this note, started coming to church, got saved, voila. So that starts to transform and it gets these people to be outward focused. Another secret part of what we learned with some of these beta groups is pastors would include what I'll call a curmudgeon, right? That was always like, well, it's too hot in here. I don't like this carpet. And getting them in this process made them outward focused and made them useful and helpful. And so we now have some of our churches who have gone through four groups at this point. And we're seeing that's another way of kind of transforming transforming these churches. So if you've got 30 members that participate in a year, the multiples are obvious, 360 evangelistic prayers, 180 passages of scripture on evangelism study, 1950 non-threatening evangelistic touch points. So we're trying to make evangelism natural. We're trying to make them not so nervous, just naturally send a card, naturally go hunting with someone else and make it really easy for them. So the goal is through this cycle of different members once a month for three months. Okay, so three to five do it this month. Those same three to five do not do it the next month. You will always have somebody say, I want to do it. You can do it. You don't have to do it. We believe that by you kind of going through it, you're going to naturally start doing some of this. Okay, so you don't have to keep doing it, although we have had a fair number of people who have. But that's, that's not the expectation that they would do that. And remember, fewer than 1% of churches in America have a year-round evangelistic ministry. So this truly is a game changer. So um, basically, this is one of our beta group participants. If you've got the digested reports, we provide a lot of information from them. 
But they're talking about it's very doable. It's basically any level of maturity or understanding. So incidentally, we've got new believers, we've got older believers, we've got all kinds of folks within these particular groups. And there's Noah talking about the fellow I mentioned to you that got saved. These are the churches that are doing it at this point. Pastor D, uh, there you are right there. And so uh, you can talk to them a little bit more about it. Some of them are, are brand new in the process. Some of them have been going along quite a bit. So we do the Hope Initiative at cost. It does cost us, you know. And what Rainer is doing now, um, he has you email me. And I try to find out, are you really serious about it? And if you are serious, then I send you a code that then you go to Church Answers and you get it at cost. So Rainer from time to time is going to run specials. Our price, the Free Will Baptist price, will always be less than that. We really don't want to tell people, so you know, you kind of keep that to yourself. Uh, Rainer wants us to keep that a little bit quiet. So, but you always have, like if he runs a special, it's usually $20 less than that special, okay? So if you're interested in that, let us know. I send you the code, and then secretly, Rainer tells me, uh, Mark Price signed up today, okay? And he also tells Chuck Lawless, who's now in charge of the Hope Initiative. And then I send you an invitation to a closed Facebook group of our Hope Initiative participants where people share. Some people are, you know, three months into this. Some people are starting off, and we just try to encourage each other and work with us. Uh, Rainer thinks that if we do it the Free Will Baptist way, as he says, somehow it'll work greatly because it did that way for Know Your Community. So we'll, we're going to do it. We'll do it like that. The next thing I want to talk to you about is rekindle. And so you, again, you can go to the QR code and you can see a lot of information about rekindle. So we've been doing this for some time, uh, working with churches. The interest and the usage of rekindle coaches is at the highest point that we've ever experienced, okay? So what is, what is happening with rekindle? Well, first of all, we focus on these 10 strategies, trying to help the pastor uh, and his wife be healthy. And so you can see that's part of the whole counseling approach that Brother Tommy has helped us with and what we're doing. Secondly is we focus on prayer. Uh, we believe that that is the core of helping our churches be as effective as they possibly can be. Then we, we try to renew them in outreach. And so you could say the HOPE initiative is one of our interventions to help with outreach. Then we focus on relationships, stewardships, trying to help churches get their documents together, discipleship, organizational structures, leadership development, and facility assessment. And it almost feels overwhelming. But what we try to do is say, no, it's just a way of kind of looking at your church and doing a SWOT analysis. What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? What are our opportunities? What are our threats? And working on those a little bit systematically. So we do things like working on our, our facilities. And as you think about that, those are sometimes easy wins. Let's come together and let's do something with the shrubbery and people just start feeling a little bit better. May not be what we think of as the most important thing, but it's getting us a little bit of momentum and so forth. Then we do things, uh, that's more about the facilities. We, we encourage you or we do a church assessment with you. And so it's focused on Bible-centeredness, healthy community, outward focus and so forth. And when a coach comes in to work with the church, 
Really what they do is they ask the church. They talk to them about the process. They work with the pastor. And the church completes this. And then they take the results of that. And we'll look at that to figure out what do we do uh, next. You get a sense, you probably can't see this, but we're, we're trying to look at where are we at with Bible-centeredness? Where are we at with health relationships? Outward focus, purposeful prayer, authentic worship, deliberate discipleship, overall stewardship and leadership, um, and, and look at those areas. Now, we're looking at this from the church, so we're getting a sense of is there continuity or is, is there pretty much agreement with the church? And then the pastor and the, the, uh, the, the, the rekindle coach, and we'll start working together to develop people within the church that kind of become the rekindle team, if you will. And then they're figuring out, okay, which of these areas do we want to focus on? And sometimes it's two or sometimes it's three. Sometimes it's areas where we have easy wins. Sometimes it's areas that are it's going to be a little bit more difficult. But the key is to get that church moving, to get them active and get people kind of buying in with this uh, and, and working at that. Um, what we have found is it's hard to get a church to start with rekindle. And, and honestly, I used to get a little frustrated. Uh, our rekindle coaches would go, even Dr. Dwyer, and then somebody would say, well, how do we know this works? Have you ever read the Bible? <laughs> Everything you see in there is biblical. It's what a church is supposed to do. So I go back, Rainer helped me with this. I go back and, and imagine, and you, the churches were investing so much money into church consultants. We do this for free. But churches are investing money to church consultants, and they're not doing it. They're, they're, they're just, they get a report, they talk to them, and they, they would argue with them and all that, and they, they just wouldn't do it. So this is kind of, he's kind of helped us a bit of saying, you know what, let's just slow down. Let's slow down. Let's get them to learn a little bit about their community, know your community, give them that feedback session. Let's then see, will you take another step with us? Will you do the HOPE initiative? It's only three to five of you. And Rainer will say over and over again, I'll take three to five dedicated people over 60 lukewarm people any day. And so give me three to five. Just I don't know who the next three to five will be. That doesn't matter. I'm trusting the Lord. I do my three to five. Then and the, other, the church is praying. I'm bringing it up. I'm, the Lord's going to give me three to five, I think, again. And I just keep trucking and trucking. Now, what we tend to do is the church calls us. And it's interesting. They usually know nothing about what we're doing, okay? And I'm like, how do you not know? But anyway, they don't know what we're doing. So they're like, well, let's do this. Why don't we start with a, a Know Your Community report? And I talk to them about that. If they don't have the money, we pay for it, okay? And then we give them the feedback, and we talk to them about how they can reach folks, right? And sometimes they don't even have their number one psychographic group in their church. Like, okay, that's okay. We're going to work with you a little bit. There's something called the Hope Initiative. And basically we're saying, let's come on with us. Will you come on a little bit more? Will you try to do the Hope Initiative? Well, I don't know if we could do that or not. You, I think you can do it. And we will help you if you can't afford the, what it costs. We'll pay for that for you. Now, if I can make it work, I will try to get them to simultaneously do rekindle. 
So while we're doing the Know Your Community, I've got a rekindle coach uh, that's got a meeting set up with them, and he goes down and he sets up and they go through the assessment. The assessment takes a while, right? And people, you know, it just takes a while to kind of get that going and get your group going. If we do know your community, you are immediately taking action. If you do Hope Initiative, you're getting three to five people moving and you're doing a lot of things simultaneously. And the rekindle is more like our long term, our intervention that has legs, if you will. You know, it's going to last over time. So we think that that's going to be a good help to us. Now, how many of you have heard of Operation Restoration? Okay, Brother Terry has. Good job, Brother Terry. All right, anybody else heard of it? So Operation Restoration is something that we really stole from the state of Florida. Florida, this, uh, if you'll read the latest one magazine, I think it is, there's an article in there from Dwayne Littlefield. And Dwayne talks about what happened in Sneeds, Florida, okay, the Sneeds Church. So one day, the pastor uh, was asked by Charles Johnson, who is the moderator of their association, he asked the pastor, Tim, he said, how are you doing? And Tim said, to be honest, we're struggling. We, we've been hit hard by COVID. We had several people die and, and, and we're struggling. And Charles said, you know what? As an association, we ought to be able to help you with that a little bit. And so he, he began to talk to Tim and the association began to talk. And then they began to work and they started going to Sneeds and basically remodeled the place, right? Um, I'll show a picture. Well, if you've got the digest, there's Dwayne talking about it. There's the picture. So it looked like this on the left. It looks like that on the right now. So what happened was all these churches started coming down. They started working in that. Number one, the intervention with the churches going down ended up being a pretty cool thing. Young people working with older people to try to help folks, and we've got some Titus II action that's taking place. Number two, the Sneeds Church just went wild. People are coming to help us. They're trying to help us out. And people within the community started asking questions about it, and it turned, in, it turned into kind of a big deal, really. So what we're doing or encouraging with Operation Restoration, it doesn't have to be on the scale of Sneeds, but we're asking churches to be open with it. Hey, I could use some help. I could use uh, some power washing. I could use somebody to help us get a handicap ramp or whatever. And just email us and say, we could, we could use some help in that way. And it could be that folks go in, they do a mission thing with you. Or it could be that you're saying, hey, we could help out in that way and step up and say, hey, we could do this. So we think this is kind of a next step in it. And, and just to be clear, what happened at Sneeds was they started working on the facility stuff. This was going on really about the same time as Know Your Community. So we do a Know Your Community thing. And about the same time, we're, we're getting going with the Hope Initiative and Rekindle. And it was all, all of it was kind of happening simultaneously. So you've got work being done on the facility. They're learning more about their community. They're actually doing the Hope Initiative with their coach, their Rekindle coach. And all of these things are happening at one time. 
to create some energy, not just for them, the, really the entire association, I think, ended up doing a Know Your Community, and I think the entire association ended up uh, doing the Hope Initiative, right? And so it's, we're all kind of talking the same language, doing some of the thing, same things, trying to reach our people with the gospel. So that's another little element of it that uh, we think can be helpful to us along those ways.